You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. We all have deeply held beliefs that drive us. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. believed in the kingdom of God and the real possibility of an equitable, free society. He believed in it so much that he gave his life fighting for it. It reminds me of another man who gave his life for the sake of humanity's unity with God and our unity with each other. MLK demonstrated by the way that he lived that the end matters, the aim, the direction, the orientation of our life matters. He showed that day in, day out, faithfulness matters. And he showed that the way that we live can tangibly make life better for other people. He showed us the power of nonviolent means. Just as what we're fighting for matters, how we fight makes all the difference. For MLK, the way towards freedom was not hate, but love. So today we'll have the opportunity to hear from Lena Marlowe, Bryce Beavers, and Benjamin Black on what MLK's legacy means to them. And as we enter into worship today, I want to bring to mind a scene from The Incredibles. Can you raise your hand if you've seen The Incredibles? Okay, most of you, great. So in the scene, Mr. Incredibles comes home from a rough day at work. He's kind of grumpy. He gets out of the car, slams the door, and turns around. And what does he see? He sees a kid on a tricycle standing in his driveway. And he asks, well, what are you waiting for? And the kid responds, I don't know, something amazing, I guess. And so today, um, that's the posture that I invite us into worship. Good morning, Asbury. Would you join with me this morning in prayer as I read the words that were written and spoken by Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Eternal God, out of whose mind this great cosmic universe, we bless thee. Help us to seek that which is high, noble, and good. Help us in the moment of difficult decision. Help us to work with renewed vigor for a warless world, a better distribution of wealth, and a brotherhood that transcends race or color. Ever-loving God, we thank you for the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, who dedicated his life to advocate for equality, justice, and to advance your kingdom. May his legacy continue to influence us, to inspire us, and to challenge us to do the same. So as we listen and sit today, as those who are sharing with us their stories and their perspectives, we invite your transformative work both in us and through us so that we can become a kingdom community. Set our hearts aflame with your love. Break our hearts with those things that break yours. And help us to love one another. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, my name is Lena Marlowe. I'm part of the surrendered class and I'm a senior. Um, and today I'll be talking about what MLK means to me and just um, a few things that he's been able to speak into my life, um, even though he's passed away and gone, um, that his legacy still speaks today. So when we are younger, we're told that we need a hero or someone to look up to, that we need to do so for a project or an essay we're writing in English or history class. For me, deciding on a hero was hard. It was hard because I didn't know what a hero really was. Was it a Superman? Was it someone who fought in a war and did something really brave? Um, what is a hero? And so Oxford Dictionary says a hero is a person who is admired or idealized for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. For some synonyms are champion, man of the hour, warrior, victor, and winner. Some antonyms are coward, loser, failure, and so on. So when we see words like this, we may start to look into things that make a hero earn these qualities. And so for Martin Luther King Jr., he did many acts among people. He led marches, he met with politicians, he demonstrated to his brothers and sisters in Christ how to use peace and nonviolence as a tool to get freedom. Most of all, he was courageous. He experienced bomb threats, was stabbed, attacked, arrested over 20 times, and knew his family was in danger due to the work that he was doing. And so I had to think, what did Martin Luther King Jr. have to keep going, and what do I see in his legacy that shows something similar to him having hero qualities? So I picked courage. Courage is a gift. Not everyone has a calling that shows courage being the melody throughout their life. And courage is something that we remember about someone. It's something that we look to. when we have no idea how to push forward or create change in the spaces that we're in. So we look to leaders in society that put their needs beside other people and place other people's needs as higher priority. It sets them apart. And even though Dr. King didn't get to see the change that himself and other different activists did, his legacy continues to show his courage influence many people. So courage goes beyond what you do. It affects the people around you, and it seeps through each story in the communities you're in. And so in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, we see that Moses died, and God had instructed Joshua to cross the Jordan River into the land he was giving his people. Not only was he going to give them every place that they set foot, according to verse 3, but no one was going to oppose them successfully as long as they lived, and that was a promise. And so God said, I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will never neglect you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, because you will help these people take possession of the land I swore to give their ancestors. Only be strong and very courageous, faithfully doing everything in the teachings that my servant Moses commanded you to do. Don't turn away from them, then you will succeed wherever you go. Never stop reciting these teachings. You might think about them day and day so that you faithfully do everything written in them. Only then will you prosper and succeed. I have commanded you, be strong and courageous. Don't tremble or be terrified because God is with you wherever you go. It can be hard to step out in faith and have strength to do hard things for the sake of others. But in my life, and most recently, I continue to be drawn back to this story in Joshua. God assured him that he would be with him and instructed him to be strong and courageous and to stick to the teachings and instructions that, his, that Joshua had been learning from his mentor Moses. This gift, this quality, and this assignment to be courageous is a hard thing to hold, even if the God of the universe is telling you that you will succeed in taking the blessing captive. 
the same God who commanded Joshua and the leaders of Israel to be strong and courageous as they were entering a new land, a new season, a new chapter, is the same God who commanded Martin Luther King Jr. to stand up for freedom and the rights of people of color and people who did not have a voice during the civil rights movement. In my experience here at Asbury, there were times I had to speak in, in place of students of color and students who did not have a voice on campus. I did not know what God was doing behind the scenes, but being very strong and courageous is a consistent message that the Holy Spirit has been comforting me with and reminding me with. I've seen ways that I was an influence with my peers, my mentees, my coworkers, and friends. On the other hand, I was nervous on how God was gonna use someone like me to make a difference on campus. And sometimes I talk myself out of speaking up when I should have spoken up um, and listening to the Holy Spirit to tell me to speak and correcting harmful language in the classroom or workspace because I was young or a woman of color. But being strong and courageous rung throughout my years in college and God prepared me and continues to prepare me for every room and situation where I need to apply this theme in my speech, talk, and actions. I pray that as we go into our own spaces and community, that you don't let fear keep you out of the spaces that God commanded you to go in. Be strong and courageous, even if your voice shakes while doing so. I pray that we no longer have to do things alone, that the more that we're in spaces like this, the more we can stand up for issues and support others in their winnings and encourage them in their, their weak moments. This is a beautiful sight, us being in chapel, the people that you're sitting next to, the people that you have classes with, you eat lunch with, um, even people that you have gathered with, that Martin Luther King and other activists like him prayed and fought for. Let's not take it for granted. In his legacy, I see courage, and I see courage in each and every one of you. And I pray that God gives you courage as well. Thank you. Hello, uh, hello, Asbury. For those who don't know me, um, my name is Bryce Beavers. I'm a member of the Surrender class. Appreciate the love. Um, today, I get the privilege of speaking on um, a great man, Martin Luther King Jr. In, these br in this brief time that I have, I think the best way for me to really uh, display what he means to me is by using the verse 1 Corinthians 13:13. Uh, 13, 13. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three last forever. But the greatest of these is love. MLK's life shows evidence of all three of these. First is hope. Flat out, his life was nothing short of inspirational to all of us. His hope for this world is that there would be a future, one where there are no divisions or barriers that are existing due to the race that God has blessed us with. But it doesn't stop there. I think that in doing these things that he wanted to inspire all of us to, uh, to know that we can make a change if we just stick with it and have perseverance. Next is faith. MLK was um, a member of the Baptist church. He was a minister. He had many doctorates and degrees. But that doesn't show who he was in the faith. See, what shows who, what he was in the faith was the fact that just like us, he faced a crossroads. He faced a temptation. He faced a problem. And he had two choices. Choose the way of the world or choose the way of God. And he chose to be like Christ. And that leads me to my last point. Love. 
By choosing the path of love, MLK chose a path that some of his adversaries and some of his friends would look down upon. Even his own brothers and sisters that were African Americans, men and women, were upset at his tactics, saying, why would you turn the other cheek? Why not slap them back when they slap you? Why not spit back in their face when they spit in yours? But in his heart, he had Christ hidden. And because of this, he chose love as the path to victory. He once said, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So the question for us today is how can we choose Christ to tear down the barriers or divisions that we see? So as I end my time, I can summarize with this. To me, MLK is not just a day off from classes or a day off from work or just genuinely a good black guy or someone that had one great speech or some great scholar or a civil rights activist. But he was flat out just a man who sought out the Lord in the Lord's will. Thank you. Well, cool. Well, I'm going to be talking about the civil rights movement and uh, uh, just kind of the response of the church. Um, but uh, before I give, before I go into the civil rights movement, I want to give a little bit of context. So I have to go back about 100 years prior to the uh, civil rights movement. So 158 years ago, in 1865, our country abolished slavery. And this abolition gave African-Americans, most of whom were former slaves, a newfound freedom that would briefly give them the right to vote and hold political office. But over time, those civil rights were reduced due to the implementation of, implementation of Jim Crow laws, uh, which were designed to deprive African-Americans of political and economic gain. The results led to uh, laws that promoted racial segregation, racial or ethnic discrimination, and deprivation of rights and laws. Can you imagine being set free, having nothing to your name, and then having to start from scratch to build something not only for you, but for future generations, but have a system that continues to work against you to keep you down because of the color of your skin? That's just what my and other ancestors had to go through. Despite the hardships that followed, they sought to persevere to make better lives for the generations after them. That leads us to the Civil Rights Movement. The Civil Rights Movement began 69 years ago in 1954 and concluded 55 years ago in 1968. Its purpose was to end the legalized institutional race uh, racial segregation, the racial or ethnic discrimination, and the deprivation of rights or privilege to the people of color previously stated. And I think of the verse, uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And uh, so do, despite the hardships of the day, uh, the black community did not give up fighting for equality in this country. Uh, 
And there was something different about the civil rights movement that made it so impactful and effective. It was led by the church. The Christian congregations were the bulk of the civil rights movement. And for context, the Church for the Black Community has for generations uh, been a strong uniter in our hardships and struggles as a social epic center of spiritual, uh, societal, and political matters, the black church was one of the main contributors to providing resources to spearhead the civil rights movement. It was the congregation or members of the church who pursued and acted in these peaceful protests and endeavors of civil rights leaders and ministers like Dr. King uh, led the charge to change the law of the land. Without the church, there would simply be no civil rights movement. When my grandparents and their siblings were my age, it was during the 50s and the 60s, um, and as the civil rights movement began, looking at them, you know, their grandparents and their great-grandparents were slaves. Um, and the hardships of having to grow up in generational poverty and Jim Crow filled the air of the black community during that day. Um, so as I was just preparing for uh, just giving this message, I, I thought about reaching out to my family members. So I reached out to uh, some of my, my relatives and wanted to hear, like, about the church and the civil rights movement during that time. So my grandmother, uh, who lives in Nashville, Tennessee, she was around, she was in her 20s in college, and she told me that uh, we often met to encourage one another and pray together. Dr. King was a big inspiration to act on it, and there was a lot of, she said that um, his speeches and things would inspire them. Uh, and she would march, she would participate in the marches, she would do the sit-ins, um, but it was the boycotts uh, that happened in Nashville that really led to the change um, in opening up like stores and shops. Um, as far as my, my great aunt um, in Kentucky, she said, we didn't, we didn't have, uh, we weren't too scared in, because they grew up in the country. They were like, we weren't too scared because our town was a little small, but uh, they would walk to the church. The church was in the center of the town. They said uh, the church prayed about what was going on, and uh, Martin Luther King said that we weren't supposed to fight, but to turn the other cheek. Our church was in the center of the city, and we started to uh, just pray on our knees and keep praying on our knees, and uh, they would have meetings in the church on how to respond and reflect in their neighborhood. So. We see that the church took a stand in the past, but what's our role today? More so, what's the Lord been telling you to do, but you've been disobedient because of fear? First John chapter 3, verse 18 says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. I say this because we see how three generations before us our Christian brothers and sisters lived out the word speaking against injustice and caring for the marginalized. That's what happens when the church moves. When the church responds to the issues of society in a way of love and steps up to change, the generations are changed. The lifestyle and hardships my ancestors had to endure even 50 years ago is certainly different from how I'm living. I don't have to worry about if I'm going to be served at a restaurant because of the color of my skin 
or if I have to jump through hoops just to use my right to vote because the generation before me took a stance to change that today. So society is nowhere near perfect today. We both, we've seen that. Um, but we do see a vast difference from the days of Jim Crow. And because of the sacrifice made by Christians who accepted the Lord's call to speak up and take action, we can be one step closer to equality. That's just what it takes, though. Sacrifice. We're scared to do it sometimes, and I know I am, um, but it's so worth it. And as Christians, we may find the desire to want to conform to the society around us. But our role as the church is not to be conforming to society, but we are called to transform society. Transform society with the love of Jesus Christ. And that is what leaders like Dr. King and other church leaders in that day did for our society. And look at how the generations have changed since then. We've come a long way since the 50s and the 60s, but there's still a long way to go. To close, I'd like to read just one more verse, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ.